0: We're in 2 Kings tonight in God's Word, chapter number 6. 2 Kings, number 6. If you have a copy of the Scriptures, would turn with us, please? And then I want to call our attention a little later to a verse or two in the book of Matthew. That's number 26. Matthew, number 26. Ephesians, then chapter 4, if you turn there. Second Kings number 6 is where we'll start tonight. I want to read and spend some time here and then call our attention to these other passages. It might be helpful if I tell you I don't intend to preach three, three sermons tonight. Sometimes the preacher turns to three or four places, they think he's got an extra long sermon. And that's not my intent. Joy to greet you, and a special joy to sense the Lord's presence, the reality of His presence. Times of refreshings come from His presence, and His presence is fullness of joy. And we're grateful that the Lord has graciously granted us a wonderful sense of His presence. Yesterday was such a refreshing day. Tonight, the reality of his presence is here, and we appreciate it. Our scripture goes back some 2,900 plus years. I'm mindful that in the New Testament, the Lord tells us that these Old Testament truths was written for our admonition. More literally, our instruction. God is saying, I got a lesson for you. I want to I instruct you. I want you to learn. Not just an event of history, that is a fact, but he wants us to learn and relate to the truth that's before us tonight. Second Kings chapter number 6 and verse number 8. I, I preach a series I have recently, I'm thinking about it in an upcoming meeting that I've been going to annually since 1976, and it's a Bible conference and I have been drawn toward this series again, thinking about it, praying about it. And uh, having given some thought in recent days, the Lord has directed my attention to this one message out of the series, and it involves the ministry, the life and the ministry of the prophet Elisha. And uh, more specifically, it involves the miracles, some of the miracles of this prophet. This is one of them tonight. Chapter number 6 and verse number 8, we're told, Then the king of Syria warred against Israel and took counsel with his servants, saying, In such such place shall be my camp. And the man of God sent to the king of Israel, saying, Beware that thou pass not such a place, for thither the Syrians are come down. And the king of Israel sent to the place which the man of God told him and warned him of and saved himself there, not once nor twice, I think we'd understand It happened repeatedly. It happened often. Therefore, the heart of the king of Syria was sore troubled for this thing, and he called his servants and said to them, Will you not show me which of us is for the king of Israel? And one of his servants said, None, my lord, O king, but Elisha the prophet that is in Israel telleth the king of Israel the words that thou speakest in thy bedchamber. He said, Go and spy where he is, that I may send and fetch him. And it was told him, saying, Behold, he is in Dothan. Therefore said he thither horses and chariots and the great host and they came by night and compassed the city about and when the servant of the man of God was risen early and gone forth, behold, a host compassed the city both with horses and chariots and his servant said to him, Alas, my master, how shall we do? He answered, Fear not, for they that be with us are more than they that be with them. Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. And when they came down to him, Elisha prayed unto the Lord and said, smite this people, I pray thee, with blindness. And he smote them with blindness according to the word of Elisha. And Elisha said to them, this is not the way, neither is this the city. Follow me and I'll bring you to the man whom you seek. But he led them to Samaria, about 12 miles from Dothan over to the capital city of Israel. It came to pass when they were come into Samaria that Elisha said, Lord, open the eyes of these men that they may see. And the Lord opened their eyes and they saw and behold, they were in the midst of Samaria. And the king of Israel said to Elisha when he saw them, My father, shall I smite them, shall I smite them? He answered, Thou shalt not smite them. Wouldest thou smite those whom thou hast taken captive with thy sword and with thy bow? Set bread and water before them that they may eat and drink and go to their master. And he prepared great provision for them. And when they had eaten and drunk, he sent them away and they went to their master. So the bands of Syria came no more into the land of Israel. I call our attention primarily, basically at this time, to verse number... 15. This young servant goes out early in the morning and he sees this little town of Dothan compassed about with horses and chariots and his response is one of alarm, fear. I think close to panic. And he expresses himself thus by saying, Alas my master, how shall we do? Elisha responded then, but saying, Fear not. They that be with us are more than they that be with them. I'm gonna ask you to think with me tonight as we think a few minutes about this story, asking the Lord, as I said earlier, to help us to relate to it and be able to receive what He wants us to receive tonight as the people of God. When this servant, filled with panic and alarm and fear, and the prophet calmed him by saying to him, fear not, and then reminded him that with them there are more than they were with the other crowd. With us, he said, there's more than they that be with them. And then he prayed, and the Lord responded to his prayer when he asked God to open his eyes and. Scripture says the Lord opened the young man's eyes and when he saw, behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. I want to talk this evening about this business of asking God to open our eyes. Or as Paul prayed for the Ephesians, his prayer for that church was that the eyes of their understanding being enlightened. Or if you'd let me paraphrase it, and they won't injure the truth of it, he more literally prayed for the eyes of their heart. Perhaps we haven't thought of our heart having eyes where we can perceive, where we can understand, where we can brought into some truth that heretofore perhaps we're not really aware of. And so here is the man of God praying for the servant of God, this young servant, and asking God to open his eyes, and I think literally, not just as I'm going to apply it tonight for our spiritual understanding, but literally as he was seeing this little town, this little city of Dothan, being threatened by the enemy and compassed about, and uh, when God opened his eyes, he literally saw God caused him, enabled him, miraculously to see these the host of God. And they are circled completely around. Uh, he he's He's come. He's given assurance. Man of God based that fear not upon the fact that he was aware that, that uh that truth was a reality. See, God did not open the young servant's eyes to cause the host to be there. He opened his eyes to the fact that they were already there. And so tonight, I want you to think with me as I'm coming to this text with a uh, an idea that if God would open our eyes to the truth that I see that's before us tonight, perhaps when we are brought to that place that we're overwhelmed, we're brought to that place that we're tempted to push the panic button, we're brought to that place that we like this young servant, alas. I was in a meeting some time ago and there was a couple that wanted to speak with me, and they after the service, we were there at the front pew, and his name was Dave, he and his wife, and he said, uh, Brother Hurt, what I'm going to share with you, and we're going to, as he put it, we're going to ask for your counsel, your comment, if you'd uh, uh, have a word for us about our situation. And uh, he he used the word, uh, it's overwhelming. And uh, he said, as I tell you about it, he said, my wife, well, she'll be hearing for the most part. She, she knows somewhat about what is uh, at, at hand. But he said, what I will tell you. He said, uh, she, she's, not really, she's not really aware of it's the way he put it. And, and I sensed that when he started telling me, indeed, it was overwhelming. It was a situation, to be honest with you, that as he began to share with me, he's a businessman, he's in a church near where I live, and uh, he began to tell me about a situation that's bringing about, to say the least, some fear, some apprehension. They're disturbed. They're wondering what they're going to do. And uh, when his wife heard what he told me, her, her response was somewhat uh, what this young servant said. Notice how he puts it. it.'s a little bit of awkward expression here when he, when he says, "Alas, my master," when he said, "How shall we do?" more literally." He's saying, what shall we do? And uh, bring it into focus a little bit more clear than that, he, he more literally said, what are we going to do now? I mean, at the present. We're him there. Here's this ruthless army. Here's all of these horses. Here's all of these chariots. The last master. What are we going to do? And that dear uh, uh, lady, having heard her husband, Uh, tell about a situation that had intensified in recent days that he hadn't even shared with her. And to be honest, it looked like, you know, there's humanly speaking no way out in their situation. And uh, the moment he told me, uh, she didn't wait for my response or anything else. She just looked at him with that sense of panic in her voice and she said, Dave, what are we going to do now? And I thought of this truth. I thought of it this afternoon when I was approaching it again, thinking about it again. If you haven't been there, if you're not there tonight, you, you'll get there. We as human beings, we come to the end of our resources. We come to the place often that we don't have the answer. We come to the place often that we are like this young servant, whether we express it like he's expressed it or not, but we're overwhelmed, it doesn't seem humanly, there's no way out. And it's what are we going to do now. And God's word to him through the man of God, he said, open his eyes. Lord, he don't see something that I know is there. Lord, he needs to have a little bit more understanding. He needs to know something that will uh, keep him from putting his finger on the panic button, wringing his hands, staying awake at night being filled with anxiety and fear, which hath torment. Open his eyes, Lord, that he may see. Now I want to ask you tonight uh, to think with me, and you wouldn't believe me if I told you I was going to preach a short sermon, so I'm not going to promise one, but I, I don't think it, uh, it's going to take me a long time tonight. Amen. And uh, uh, I, I want to mention two truths, and I, I want to illustrate the third one. And uh, I used to, when I was in the pastorate, our tapes was mailed out. I didn't know where they went. Uh, one of the men took care of that for us. He was in the tape room, and he the tapes would go out in different parts of the country, and different preachers and different ones would, would receive our Sunday morning, Sunday evening tape. He'd get to their place on about a Thursday, and, and uh, I, I got a note from a preacher. I, I, I don't know him. I've never met him. He lives in Pennsylvania. I do remember the address, the address. Uh, the tape man, the brother in the tape room, he brought me the note and showed me. And he was kind to me, and he said, Brother Hurt, I've been getting your tapes for about five years. You're, he said, you approach a text like I do. He said, I preach your sermons. And he said, uh, when the tape gets you, he said, I'll, uh, I will I get my notepad, and he said, I start listening to it, and I'll put down the topic of your sermon, and said, then I start the outline." And he said, uh, usually you'll say there's five truths now, or there's three truths, or there's four truths, there's four things I want you to see. And he said, I, I, I start out, and he said, Brother Hurt, uh, what I would like to request is, would you give your outline before you preach your sermon? He said, I've never got a complete outline of your sermons. He said, the tape runs out before you get on. <laughs> and he said, leaves me guessing for that point four and five, and I have to try to make up on them on. own. And he said, could I, could I request, before you start your sermon, would you just say now these five things, would you give them, and at least I'll have an outline if I don't get your sermon, he said. So the next Sunday I got up and I said, for the benefit of a preacher, that when he hears this, he'll know who he is. He wants my outline, and I just got in the habit there of my points before I even preach, and I've done that now. I've been out of the pastorate what my going on 16 years, and that was probably five, six years before I spent 20 years in the, in the pastorate. I, I was in between, uh, it's, this is the 40 if you're in the ministry, but 20 of them was in, the, in the pastorate. And so what I want to ask you to do tonight, as uh, we ask God to open our eyes, I want to, uh, ask you to join with me to ask Him to open our eyes, first of all, to that which is above us. And then secondly, that which is around us. And then thirdly, to the truth, and that's what I want to emphasize, to that which is within us. Now when we, when we leave tonight, as you think about, Lord, open his eyes, or to make it personal, Lord, open my eyes to the truth that's in this text that's above me. The truth that is around me that he wants me to see. And then the truth that is within me. Be a little more specific, we, as we think uh, the truth that's above us, we won't you think with us about what I'm calling tonight the unseen hand that's above us to guide us? Elisha is getting some guidance that he's giving to the king of Israel. There's been there's some guidance going on in this story. And this one that was guiding him, he's available to us tonight. So I refer to him tonight as the unseen hand to guide us. And then that which is around us is what I'm referring to the unseen host to guard us. There's an unseen host around us that wants to guard us and protect us tonight. But there's an unseen helper within us that wants to grace us tonight. And if you and I behave toward our enemies the way Elisha is behaving toward people that set out to hurt him, I promise you we'll have to have some help from that unseen one. Humanly, we don't act like that toward people that oppose us. Our adversaries, when people get against us from the human standpoint, we're not gracious like Elisha was. We're we're more like the king of of Israel when, when he said, shall I smite them, shall I slay them? And Elisha said, no, you're prisoners of war. See, uh, civilized people don't treat prisoners of war that way. Civilized people treat them humanely. And so he said, no, feed them. Don't smite them, don't slay them, feed them. And they sent them home and they didn't come back anymore. Now listen, I said this is for our instruction. This is for our learning. Old Testament truths was given to us for our learning that we would have hope and encouragement from the Scripture. And God said these Old Testament truths here, He wants to instruct me, He wants to teach me, He, he doesn't want me just to relate to it as an event of history and, and just tell me that there was, uh, uh, this story took place. God said, I want you now to relate to this and I want you to learn from it. And so tonight, my prayer is personally, Lord, open my eyes. Help me to be aware of the one's presence that I'm referring to as the unseen hand that's above us to guide us. Oh, Elisha, he when the king and his planning and his strategy, then it caused him to be be suspicious of those that was around him because as he and his strategy and planning, and then it would be thwarted, and they would set up camp and, and then Israel would bypass where he was at and it disturbed him to point. He said, there must be a spy in my in my inner group. Who of us is for the king of Israel? And one of them with courage enough said, "None, my lord, O king, it's Elisha the prophet of God. Why, he even in, in, in your secret time, your bedroom, He's telling what's going on there. He, he's getting some guidance, if you please. And He knows exactly what you're doing. Are you listening tonight? I'm glad we don't have to wander aimlessly through this life. I'm glad we don't have to get up in the morning and and being disturbed about which direction and what we're going to do. I'm glad if we lack wisdom, we can ask God. And God said He gives liberally. He upbraideth not. When God said He gives us liberally, generously, freely, I mean, wisdom is insight. Wisdom is guidance. And God said, if you need to know what to do, just ask me and I'll tell you. And God said, I won't upbraid you. I won't scold you. I won't reprimand you. I won't call you dummy and stupid because you're telling me you don't know the way. He said, I'll generously give you some insight. Well, I'm talking about the unseen hand tonight to guide us. I pick up the helps that help me understand the Scripture. And the theologians refer to what I'm talking about tonight as divine omniscience. I like that. One who knows all. One who sees the end from the beginning. One who nothing's ever taken him by surprise. One who everything is always present with him. And yet, after we talk about where he was at and where he shall be, it's always present tense with him. And he can give direction to his people just any time he wants to. Tell us what's going on. We don't have to, as I said, I repeat, wander aimlessly and stumble around. God said, listen, I can take the light and shine it upon your path, and it can be a lamp under your feet, step by step. God said, I'll give you some light. You can wake up and say, this is the day the Lord hath made. We'll rejoice and be glad in it. Father's divine guidance. The unseen hand to guide us. They call it divine omniscience. And then they'll refer to the same truth as divine providence. I like that. I said that not long ago and a fellow came after service and won't talk to me. He said, to be honest, he said, I, I, I get a little bit disturbed and, and people go talking talk about providence. And I said, tell me about it. Why would you? And he thought, you know, I'm over in left field somewhere about some kind of truth. Oh, I said, you ought not be afraid of providence. Providence is a good word. You have to read some of the old-timers to, 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 to hear them talk about it. There seem not many now talking about it, but you pick up the books of the old-timers and they're always talking and resting and comfort, comforted in the providence of God. God's a God in control tonight. Thank God He is. Word providence. Word providence comes from two words. The first part, pro, before, and the last word is an N-word. It's our word for video. And it just means to see the things ahead of time. God goes ahead of us looking after it and taking care of it and providing. And when you get there, he's already been there. And he's taken care of it. Ah, oh, that's that to me. That don't disturb me. That lets me sleep tonight it's Abraham obeying God and going up yonder on the mountain and and, and already got that boy on the altar and got a knife ready to put in his body and into the the body of his son and God stops him he sees there's a, a ram caught by his horns and he takes a ram and puts it there instead of his son and he calls the place Jehovah Jireh the Lord will see to provide. He's looking after it He said. Oh, I mean, the, the very word provision, providence, same root word. God was up there. God had a ram there when He got there. I was preaching down in Birmingham. I was down there just two weeks ago, but I go to Birmingham and four churches every year and been doing that for all my the pastor and said, Brother Hurt's been coming over 20 years annually here. And uh, somebody asked me, said, when I ran home, said, that's your first time? And he named the church. I said, oh no. Lord, I've been here so many times. I've preached all and all some I wasn't sure of. Amen. <laughs> but uh, he, a young fellow listened to me there. He's a student in a school nearby. And, and he had he heard me mention what I just mentioned in a different sermon. I got a sermon I entitled, Put Your Isaac on the Altar. And I was dealing with that truth. And uh, he said to me, isn't that marvelous? Isn't that wonderful? That ram just happened to be at the right place at the right time just when he needed it. <laughs> I said, uh, how would you express that? Just happened to be. <laughs> I said, you ought to write providence there in that word. <laughs> oh, no, it's not happenstance. It's not perchance. No, things don't happen that way. There's a God in control tonight. There's an unseen hand above us to guide us. My prayer is, Lord, open my eyes to see. Open my understanding to perceive this truth and understand this truth and lay hold of this truth. But then there is an unseen host about us to guard us. I noticed, and it's at least this many times, he's referred to in the Bible. 281 times as the Lord of hosts. That's a whole lot of times in the Bible to remind us of the title, this title. You say, the Lord of what hosts? He's the Lord of all the hosts. Any host you can think about, it, He's sovereign over it tonight. Even the one over here in Baghdad, He can take over any moment He wants to. He's Lord of hosts tonight. Heavenly hosts. The armies of men. The the starry host. The angelical. He's the Lord of hosts tonight. Well, if we get our eyes open to that. The unseen host that's about us to guard us. They're they're our protectors. They're our servants, if you please, tonight. They encampeth round about them that fear the Lord to deliver them. They're heirs. They're given to the heirs of salvation to serve us as ministering spirits tonight. Amen. Oh, listen. Somebody said to me up in Kentucky, preaching on, I'm going, I said, Brother Hurt, do you really believe in angels? I said, yeah, I believe the Bible. Amen. Amen. So much perverted teaching and sinly teaching even about this truth. Some people shy away from it. You ought not be afraid to talk about these servants, these protectors, God's agents, if you please. He's given to those that that trust Him, that fear Him. Amen. Our Lord, that text over there in the book of Matthew, our Lord said to Peter, put your sword up. I don't need you doing that for me now. Put that sword up. Thinkest thou not that I cannot pray to my Father? And He shall presently, notice, I mean, that's at the very present. Give me more than twelve legions of angels. You see, how many is that? At least 72,000. And if it's another figure that was sometime used for a legion, and it could have been, it's 144,000. That's a pretty good-sized bunch of angels. (laughs) Well, let's just take the conservative figure, and you say, what could 72,000 angels do? Well, I don't know. But let me tell you what one angel did. In one night. This time it's the Assyrian army. And, and, and in one night, one angel dispatched to the, to the point of need because a, a man cried out to God and spread that letter that represented his situation, spread it before God. And God listened to him and dispatched one angel. And the next morning 185,000 dead soldiers. That's one angel. What can 72,000 do? I don't know, but they can handle a pretty good-sized job. (laughs) Oh, how we need to get our eyes of understanding open to this truth. Around us, there's an unseen host to guard us. Above us, there's an unseen hand to guide us. As with the preaching. One of the deacons knew that we were supposed to go somewhere the next morning. I didn't know the preacher. my first time. In fact, I never met him. He scheduled me from hearing me by tape, he told me. And so it's the first night, and then I'm scheduled to speak somewhere in the morning service in a Bible conference that we have to drive a distance to get there. And uh, one of the deacons said to me, he "Said said, Brother heard are you You going with the preacher? And I said, yeah. He said, are you driving? And, and I said, no. He told me he'd pick me up. And he, he looked over He said, by you, I drive. <laughs> Boy, it really got my attention because I didn't know him or the the preacher. And I said, really? Tell me about it. (laughs) He said his nickname is Jehu. (laughs) Now, all of you, that don't mean anything to you. But Jehu in the Bible is a fellow that he is a wild driver, to put it mildly. The Bible said he drives furiously. Can be freely translated, he's a crazy driver. (laughs) Boy, I hadn't been in that car 15 minutes. I knew that name fit him. <laughs> man, I mean, the first place he pulled into The guy going the horn, cut off. And he just talking and driving. I said, great day. You See, I didn't know him well enough to, you know, offer a rebuke. I thought, great day, man. I got buckled up good looking at work. <laughs> Got over there and we had lunch together after we'd preached and got acquainted a little better. And got in the car and took off back. And I said, you know... Your reput- uh, reputation has preceded you. I said, a person last night told me. He said, uh, who, who are you talking about? I said, your Deacon. He said, what's that? I said, they told me your nickname. Hey, oh, he said, they don't know what they're talking about. Pay attention to them. <laughs> I felt like saying, yeah, I do. I, I, I think they know it. You know what he said to me? And I've said I've said that. Say that. He said, Brother Hurd, he said, nah. he said uh, when I get in the car, I claim that verse that the angel of the Lord the back. And he said, I just asked him to put him right out there on the front of my car. And i take off. And boy, we we're flying down that road. He said, Don't you believe that? I said, Well, I believe that text, but I said, I expect that angel got off way back there. Amen. <laughs> I felt like saying, if you slow down, I'm gonna try to get out. So you know, don't tempt your angel, amen. That I close by suggesting not only there's an unseen hand above us to guide us, and there's an unseen host around us to guard us. There's an unseen helper within us. He wants to grace us tonight. He wants you and me to behave like a Christian. That verse over in Ephesians, if you'll write it down, it's Ephesians 4 and verse 32. Be you kind, tender hearted. Forgiving one another. Is God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. I made a note some time ago, and I can't give credit, I don't even know who, who said it, but I make some notes when I'm just reading and studying. And he said, a test of your Christianity. He says the strength of it, not the, not the fact of what you're saying, but the strength of your Christianity, the maturity of it, he's saying, is how you relate to your enemies. How you respond to those that oppose you. And tell how mature you are. Tell whether or not you're Christ-like. Tell whether or not you're under the control of the Holy Spirit. letting him produce his fruit and the life of Christ. Now listen carefully. As I said a moment ago, I've pastored 20 years and I've preached every week that i pastored. Our midweek was Thursday. I travel three days a week somewhere in the kind of work that I'm in now. And so I've been for 40 years just... I only take off two weeks a year, and, 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 and it's been like that for years, so I don't say it boastfully. I'm humbled that God will open doors for me, but I say that to say this. I, I'm with God's people all across this country constantly. i trying to share and to learn and observe, especially in the pastorate and elsewhere. Now listen carefully. You know where most of the opposition will come and try to hinder the work of God? It's not from without. One that I had uh, great respect for, who has been with the Lord a number of years now and served God so effectively for many years. He said the number one hindrance, to revival, the spread of the gospel, the work of God being what it ought to be through individuals, through families, and through local groups of God's people. You know what he said it was? It's an attitude problem. Relationship with one another. Resentment. Bitterness, unforgiveness, ill will. He said that before going to heaven, a little while before going to heaven, after many years of being in, in serving God. He was an insightful servant of God, made that statement and gripped my heart as a young, young pastor. I pondered that, I thought about it, I, I would say amen to it tonight. Having been a pastor and God was gracious, this unworthy preacher and that people and put his hand on the work and graciously blessed that church and, and that church just exploded with growth and, and outreach and we built a couple of times trying to handle the people. And the devil tried every way he could from without to hurt us. But I remember the setbacks. We had some of them. It was from within. When people would not relate to one another graciously because they wasn't leaning on that unseen helper. And they want to have their own way. And get bitter. And get self-centered. Now listen. I don't want to water down what we're talking about. But I'm going to be realistic tonight. You see for you and me to respond as Elisha. Let me repeat myself. Was doing here, Graciously. Kindly. To a people that was set out to, to hurt him. To say the least. And yet here he is acting in the spirit of, as we're known, he's the prophet of, of, of the spirit in the Bible. His predecessor is the opposite of him. The fiery prophet. The, 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 the more personal and the more public. But he, he's, he's sort of the one behind the scenes. The quiet one, kindly. And, and yet, he, he started out with such an appetite for God. And, and when he had the opportunity to ask what he wanted from the Lord, he said, I want a double portion of what you've got. And there's eight miracles to Elijah's credit. There's 16 miracles to Elisha's credit. Just double. Could it be because he had such a heart for God and opened his mouth wide and said, I want a double portion. And God marvelously used this prophet. But you see him moving around with an attitude like he has here. Oh, he's the man of God. But here he is. I tell you, it searches me. It speaks to me. It even has a rebuke in my needy heart when I'm wanting to be self-centered and defend myself and feel like I've been wronged and and been violated and and, and somebody has done something to me. And if I'm not careful, I feel like, you know, that I have a right to hit back. And that's when I have found my own self getting in trouble with that unseen helper. And I felt like I've been wrong. It's not to my credit to acknowledge this. But to want to start fighting back had been wrong. No question about that. But instead of heeding the Scripture and the Spirit of God would often say to me, your attitude's wrong. Your motivation's wrong. I know why you said what you said in the pulpit. I know the intent of that statement. And he'd rebuke me. And when I wouldn't heed that rebuke, I would wound him. I got a sermon I entitled, Don't Mistreat Your Best Friend. And that's referred to this unseen helper. I talk about you can mistreat him by resisting his incoming. If you do that, you're not in his family. But if you, if you didn't commit that one, you then can mistreat him by grieving his indwelling. If you do that, your quench his outworking. He'll want to work through you. And you'll stifle that. He won't anoint you. He won't help you. He won't teach you. He won't put his fruit in your life. He won't empower you for service. Oh, tonight, if he's not at work, I don't care what else the church has got going, they're deficient tonight. If the Spirit of God is not at work, the unseen hand above me to guide me, the unseen host around me to guard me, and all that unseen helper within me to grace me. Would you pray with me, please? All over the room we're standing now with our heads bowed and our hearts in an attitude of prayer the Lord's here tonight again in a very real he's here tonight in a searching way, just talking to our hearts I'm so glad for the truth of this text tonight and other truths that relates to it that, that there is one tonight in control sovereignly in control. Thank God, He's Lord. We've been reminded of it in song tonight. He's got His hosts around us to protect us. I can refer to Him as the Helper, and that's He's referred to it as in the Scripture, the Paraclete, one called alongside to help us struggling servants. Oh, let Him grace you. Let Him let Him work in and through you. And that's what really causes people to want to come to our Lord. we move in and out among them, and the life of Christ is flowing in and through us, they can't, they can't explain it. It's the salt of the earth, it's the light of the world. Men are in darkness and they need some light. The society is in decay, it needs the salt. And Jesus said, That's who you are. Be careful that salt don't get so compromised it lose its effectiveness. Be careful, the light's not hid away somewhere no one can see it. Oh, how He wants us as His people to move in and out among those around us with a gracious attitude and the love of God shed abroad in our heart with the Holy Spirit. Our Father, make this truth Thy word to our hearts. Please open our eyes. Open our understanding tonight. The eyes of our heart. So we can see. So we can perceive and understand. Thank you for the reality of your presence. Talk to us in these closing moments is our prayer. Amen. The pastor's here. Don't miss God tonight.